You talking to the greatest movie of all time? Today on the show, Taxi Driver. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Sparky Plug Rick Barrasso. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and I, the big cab fare Boski. We're going to watch every <laughs> single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I am Bicklefastic. I meant to say Bickletastic. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm Tickletastic. No, um, that's a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Good job. That line is like B-E-A beautiful or it's good from Bruce Almighty. <laughs> like they tried so hard to make those things. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's trying to make fetch happen. It happens yep. sometimes. Yep. So today we're talking, we're, uh, we're going to be taking our dates to our porno theater for some reason, the taxi driver. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, last week we had uh, an episode on The Devil's Advocate, which was a great one. A lot of Pacino talk in that one. Oh, yeah. Lots of Pacino. Lots of Al. Uh, and that was a great one. So check that one out or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, uh, subscribe, review if you can. It is extremely helpful for the show. And if you liked it or if you want there's anything else that you want us to cover, find us on social media. Let us know. Uh, we're the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at great movie cast on Twitter. We're greatest movie pod on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatest movie pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And it's our old friend, our old buddy, our old guy who we drove to doesn't own his own taxi. Bruce Wayne would say, Tell your friends about us. But now you talking to us? Taxi Driver. It's a 1976 drama directed by the one and only Martin Scorsese. It stars Robert De Niro as Travis Bickle, Jodie Foster as Iris Steensma, Sybil Shepard as Betsy, and Harvey Cattell as Matthew Sport Higgins. It made $28.6 million in a $1.9 million budget. It's an 8.2 on IMDb, a 96% run tomatoes, in a 94 on Metacritic. Woo. Metacritic, almost equal. Wow. Ebert. He liked it. Taxi Driver is a brilliant nightmare, and like all nightmares, it doesn't tell us half of what we want to know. Vincent Canby of the New York Times says, you may want to argue with Taxi Driver at the end, and with good reason, but it won't be a waste of time. For negative one, Nigel Andrew of the Financial Times says, problem lies less with what the film has to say than how the way it says it. The laboriousness with which its sermon on the seeds of fascism is spelled out. So. Whatever. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it because I think what he's driving at there is that I think a lot of people watch this movie and take the wrong message from it. And maybe it could have been a bit more clear with what it's trying to say. Uh, but. Some would say, I would say, perhaps the murkiness, perhaps 
the fuzziness is is the point. But we'll talk about it. So when did you first see this movie, Derek? This was one of those movies where I had heard about it when I was younger. I went to Newbury Comics and it was probably bought in along with five other DVDs that I had heard of. Um, it was probably like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Taxi Driver, you know, those types of movies all in a row. Um, I can say that I've seen this movie fully probably about six times, something like that. Um, and it's one of the movies that I highly recommend to all of my friends who ever doubted that Robert De Niro wasn't one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, similar story. This is definitely one where I I had heard about the reputation of the movie before I actually saw the movie, so I definitely sought it out. Um, and, you know, of course, there's there's definitely ways this movie can hit a teenage boy as opposed to a guy in his 20s or a guy in his 30s. And, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of it, a lot of similar stuff play out in the world today. And watching it this time, it's been a few years since I've watched this one. And it has become more and more resonant. Sure. And um, almost to a disturbing degree. Yeah, Scorsese, smart guy, ahead of his time. What can you say? He makes film, not uh, not uh, theme park rides. Right. <laughs> and if he did, it'd be terrifying. <laughs> Scorsese's theme park. <laughs> the Scorsese haunted house. You go through you, the you roller coaster. You come out directly like, uh, addicted to heroin. Yeah, yeah. At, at the very end, you think you got out free, and then uh, Matt Damon just shoots you in the head. <laughs> well, so, yeah, no, whoever it is, I was, I was going to say you walk out, and you're like, you think you're free, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, no, and you get killed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a, it's a different person who shoots you every time. Yeah, it depends. Someone's like, you know what? I've gotten Pesci three times in a row. Yeah, I haven't see. gotten I haven't gotten a Matt Damon or De Niro yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about what this movie's about, though. Derek, do we have a song today? One of the I'm still on the ride. <laughs> one of the one of the rides at the end. You're waiting to get shot, but Daniel Day Lewis just throws an axe in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> um that's a wound that's a wound i i actually don't have a song for this one so i'll just count you down yeah all right here we go three two one go travis bickle is a vietnam war veteran who has real problems socially and probable mental illness he takes a jump as a taxi driver to help with his insomnia it doesn't work he becomes obsessed with betsy a campaign worker but destroys his relationship with her by bringing her to a porno theater on their second date then fixates an iris a young sex worker who he feels he has to save he buys guns and goes off his medication. He also plots to kill Palantine, a politician who Betsy works for. He fails in his assassination attempt, but kills the pimps who he feels are responsible for Iris's situation. He may or may not hallucinate this, making him a hero. Time. Ooh, you just right under the wire. I was hoping we'd never find out what happens to Iris, but you know what? I guess her father did send the letter. Did he? Her, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say her father sounds like he's like 75 years he's, old. Well, okay. We'll we'll get to this. We'll get to our our thoughts and what we're always going to get to it. We always just try to get. To we're it. gonna we're gonna this now. This one I promise you, we'll get to. I promise okay. you, we'll talk about the ending. Okay. Right. You you think I'm lying? No, I believe you. You, you call me a fucking liar? Yeah. Okay. You're talking I to am. me, Rick. You talking to me? Well, who the fuck are you talking to then? Also, a big misconception about this movie: Travis Bickle is not Italian. Everyone's always like, "You're talking to me," and he's like, "Are you talking to me?" Yeah. <laughs> big misconception hey you fucking talking to me yeah um so let's uh talk about our favorite scenes uh who or what you know, is your third favorite scene uh again just like last week 
t- tough movie to just pick your favorite scenes from. I say this a lot. I probably said it in like 85 episodes, but it's okay. Um, my, uh, man, I guess my third is the breakfast scene with Iris. And mm-hmm. the, the reason why I like the scene so much is because, man, the two of them have some fucking chemistry. Yeah. And it's just so apparent. You know what this scene made me really want to do? Kill Ronald Reagan. Okay. And why? But that's why the guy shot Reagan. This because uh, Jodie Foster in this movie, her performance. It was a joke, Derek. I wanted you, don't you, know, to expl- you don't know the story? I wanted you to explain the joke. Okay, thank you. No, but the uh, the person who shot uh, attempted to kill Ronald Reagan uh, said that Jodie Foster's character, character in this movie, inspired him to try to kill Reagan. I thought I thought I read that Travis Bickle was the reason why he tried to shoot him. That he was like, obsessed with Travis. Bickle. No, it was, it was he saw himself as a Travis Bickle. Oh, but in okay, the same yeah, way. Yeah. In the same way, and this is this is going to be a thing that comes up. People get the wrong idea from this movie a lot, right? And it's not the movie's fault necessarily. Well, I think there should be there should be a talk at the end where we talk about what we both got out of this movie. Yes, because that'll that'll definitely help. But um, yeah, I I I just love uh, the chemistry between the two of them. I know for, just by reading that, like De Niro, like you know, kept pulling Jodie Foster aside and having this, he just kept going over the scene over and over again to the point where Jodie Foster got really bored. But later on in life, she realized how important that was to just like know everything inside out and like really be yeah, in the character. But, back, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a great little scene. And like, it's one of the scenes where you can tell that Travis Bickle is like, he's for real, you know, he's for real. He's not just like a, a creepy dude. You know, he's like, I want to fucking help you girl. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? And I love when he like insults her too. He's like, I'm not a fucking, I'm not a, I'm not a creep or whatever. You're the fucking creep or whatever he says. I was like, look what you're doing. You're 12 years old and you're fucking, you know, just, it, it's very harsh too. And it like, it's, it's a harsh slap yeah. of reality. Yeah. But I mean, also she puts, she puts like some weird sugar on her toast. It's really weird. Yeah. I think she's putting like jelly. It's like jelly and sugar. Yeah. It, well, like it's sugar it, meant it, for coffee out of like a thing. And she, like, it's great though. It, it, yeah. it, it totally proves that she's still a little girl. She's still a yeah. kid, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my uh, my number three scene is uh, you talking to me. Um, I, primarily, just, I mean, there's so many great scenes in this movie. It's 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 tough to uh, to narrow it down. Really, I think that this. I mean, this kind of gets it because it is so iconic. Yep. And you're at this point where he has just said in voiceover, um, not too long before this, where he's like. I'm off, like no more, no more pills. Nothing could like distract me or something. I forget the exact line. Yeah. But he's saying in voiceover, he's off his medication. Yep. And at this point, we know this guy's dangerous. Like he's mm-hmm. dangerously, like disturbed. And listen, now he's got a gun. And listen, now he's you, looking. He's looking for a fight. He's like, listen, you screw heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely. Yeah. And. We can keep talking about it because it's part of my number two. Yeah. Um. I. I. My number two is the scene in the park where he, you know, has the mohawk and he's talking to the secret agent guy, and it goes right into the scene where you're talking to me. I. He's so fucking awkward in that scene. It's so uneasy. The, his lies and stuff, and the, he gives him like the wrong zip code. He makes up a name, and the agent knows right away this guy is fucking dangerous. He is a weird fucking guy, yeah. and he's in the wrong place right now. And he's going to try to kill the president, maybe. Right. Um, surprisingly, you know, Travis Bickle ends up getting away and everything. And uh, I love the smile that Robert De Niro gives a lot in the movie. It's very eerie. 
And I think that we, I think we both can, can say that the movie Joker definitely takes a lot from Taxi Driver as well as the King of Comedy. I did, are, think, I did think it was weird that at the end of this movie, he killed an older version of himself as a talk show host. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a bizarre choice. It was a weird choice by Scorsese, but you know, it's, 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 it's what happened. Exactly. I didn't get to that in my 30 seconds. I just cut off. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, Scorsese, he gives us all kinds of tricks and that's one of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, the are, are you talking to me scene was completely improvised um, because in the script, it, it wrote Travis Bickle stares at himself in the mirror. Yeah. And Scorsese was underneath Robert De Niro and he was looking up at him and stuff. And Robert just fucking went balls to the wall. And who the fuck are you talking to? You, you talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. And he pulls the way he pulls the gun out so fast. You're like, he's like, motherfucker, you motherfucker. Like he's so intense in that scene. And he's so like, he's just so entrapped into this role. It's just like he, so believable. Yes. He embodies this role in like, you know, De Niro and so much. He obviously he's, he's one of the great actors, you know, and all the, you know, all the, the flowers, all the, um, everything you said about Pacino, you know, in, in the last episode, you can apply almost the same thing to, yep. to Nero. That's why we're doing, that's why we want to do these back to back Yep, is because these guys are right in that pocket, same generation. They're just embodying these roles in ways that so few have been able to do and their their careers are so intertwined and they're so connected to each other yeah um but man the, imagine you're just like it's you just wake up and you're just like i just fucking made this shit up it's one of the most iconic lines in the history of movies moving on um, right but it's it's again it's interesting this is another thing where it's people look at that and go, Oh, he's so cool. You talking to me. And I look at that and go like, this guy's dangerous. Yeah. This is not like, this is in a a bad way. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get to that more in our our big thing here. So my number two scene is the opening, actually pretty much everything in the movie up until we see up until we get to the campaign office for the first time where he, you know, it's, it's a lot of voiceover. It's that he's trying to be kind of like congenial with the guy who's hiring it for the, for the taxi service. And he's just like so weird that he like, he's just socially awkward. Yeah. And then you like, he only gets in because he's ex-military. You go, okay, you get that information. He was a Marine. He was discharged in the early seventies. He was in Vietnam. Economical use of the line. Um, by and the then, way, that 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 character who he's talking to, his boss or whatever, is played by Joe Spinell, who's in Rocky, who we we just did recently. Yeah. He's in The Godfather Part One and Two, so he's yeah. a fun act. He's a fun actor to see. Definitely had a lot of work in the seventies and a lot of good movies. Absolutely. But then you get the voiceover, and he's like, "I hope a real rain come and watches all the fucking da da da." Like, whoa, okay, we're in this guy's head. This guy is uh, he's he's got some problems. He's got some real issues, and then he gets to. You know, we we see this is like the the delivery of when we see Betsy for the first time, and Daenerys is like they can't touch her. Yeah, and it's like what the fuck? It, it's like the the way he says it is like so like this is not a healthy relationship. This is not a healthy infatuation. Like. He's all in on this girl who does not know him. Right. 
and it's just he, he does so, the same. He does the same thing to the girl at the movies. Yeah. He really tries to come on to her. He's just like, "Oh, tell me your name and stuff." And it's almost like, you know, I think a man who's that lonely will just try anything at that point, you know. And it's like he fixates on her, well, and it's he like fixa- he fixates on on everyone, and he sees himself as like the the hero, you know? Yeah, and really, he's just kind of a creepy guy. Do you think that he has some sort of Asperger's or something? I think so. It's it's alluded to that he has some mental illness, whether or not he's on the spectrum or if he's just like. There's there's so many ways to interpret the character that it's tough yeah. to say. Right. You know, you could say he's on the spectrum. You could say he's got severe PTSD that's affecting his behavior. Mm. You could say he's a sociopath. Right. You could say he's a psychopath. You could say he's misunderstood. You can say he's a dangerous person. You can say he means very well. And depending on your own interpretation, you can be absolutely right, no matter what you think. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of the character. Yep. Um, I have mine. I think he's a, he's a dangerous guy. I think there's, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. And like, uh, like I said, um, but I, I think there's, um, there's, there's obviously a lot of meat in the bone here. So what is your number one scene? I think for me, the, the number one scene with the most impact is that kind of final showdown with everybody. And, you know, he is ultimate, ultimate way to save Iris. And he, you know, puts a bullet in sports stomach um, and he goes and sits on the other staircase. Like what, who does that? He shoots somebody and then he sits near him. And it's like very, uh, you know, what it almost reminds me of it almost reminds me of like Mark David Chapman type shit. Um, yes. but, and then he, you know, he goes inside and, you know, he's still being attacked by, you know, sport. He's just, there's a shot where he like uses the Magnum to blow off that guy's fingers and hand. And it is like, oh my God, for 1976, the way that looks is just like, what? And it, of course it, it's even creepier made by the guy who just keeps saying, I'll kill you. I'll kill you all the way up the stairs. And then he kills the guy in the room and then everybody's dead. And he puts the gun to himself and tries to kill himself multiple times. And it's like, I, I, I get chills just talking about it. And, you know, he sits down and the cops come in and Iris is freaking out. And he puts that finger to his head, all bloody. It's just, it's, it's just screams to me what can happen to somebody's brain and, and why right. and, and what and who and what, what the fuck is happening. And it's just like, he did a good thing, but at what cost? <laughs> Right. So my, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that leads into to my number one scene, and that is the ending of the movie. That is everything after that, mm-hmm. because it s- lets it sit with you what you're watching. You know, like like I believe it was it was Ebert's review where he says, you know, this movie it doesn't tell you everything you want to know. Right. It doesn't spoon feed it to you. All right. So in so many movies, the guy goes in with the gun and blows away the bad guys. And he's the hero, but never in the history of the United States of America has someone gone and killed a bunch of gangsters without trial, without, you know, w- without any sort of due process 
been hanging around prostitutes, been in this situation looking like that and come out and been a hero. Right. So is this all in his mind? And let's, let's go further. You, in this sequence, you see the, you you, you see the, the letter written by the the parents uh, of Iris. And let's, let's think like in the letter they're portrayed in this scene they're portrayed as a very healthy family that's now taking care of their daughter yep but i ask you what do you think 11 and 12 year old girls run away from abusive parents yeah yeah they don't run away necessarily and there's you know certainly there's mental illness there's drug issues there's you know she talks about joining a commune and stuff like that you know i'm not saying it's impossible it's not that's what makes the scene work but realistically if there's a 12-year-old girl working as a sex worker in New York City and they've run away from home, they probably did it for a reason. Yeah. They probably didn't do it for fun. Right. Uh, and then you have the the scene in the taxi where Betsy, the last time Betsy sees him and she notices that he's there, she's like literally running in the other direction. Yeah. Like well, I, isn't it the scene where like he goes crazy in, in, his, in her place of business? No, 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 no. So it's the scene where he shows up and talks to the Secret Service agent. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. Before that, uh, Albert Brooks is like, hey, Betsy, hey, Betsy, like, because he spots him. Yep. And like, clearly the implication is like, she's told him, if you see this guy around, get me out of there. Right. Like, I'm scared of this guy. Yep. Right. So all of a sudden, he kills a bunch of people and she's, hey, we, we, we're good now, right? Well, you know, and and it had to be realistically, it had to be that Iris was like, this man saved my life. Yes. That's the only yeah. real way he Absolutely. gets out of this unscathed. So, I mean, I come down on the, I, I come down on the, the idea that this is in Travis's head. This is not really happening, but you can't discount that maybe it is. Right. You know, there's you can't say with 100 percent certainty one way or the other. And and that's why the movie Joker takes so much from Taxi Driver. Yeah, because at the end of the Joker, you're like, is it in his head? Right. Is this Travis Bickle just think about this up and attack you know, on one of his fares, <laughs> you know, being yeah. lonely as he is, you is know, this the um, story he's writing in the notebook. Is right. this a coma dream? You know, is he in jail? Right. Is, you know, what's what's going on? And she looks at him with like. Like. You know, I wouldn't say love or anything like that or lust, but she looks at him like, wow, I, I commend you. It's a different type of look than she gave him earlier, for sure. So it, 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 in the way he plays it off, too, like, oh, that thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about all that. Yeah. He's like, that's he's not somebody for vibe. Yeah. Like different. Yeah. And maybe he, you know, maybe he just evolved into that person. Or right. maybe this is just the way he's seen himself the whole time. Yep. Um, and we've been seeing it from a neutral perspective. And now we're seeing it from subjective pers- uh, perspective. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about our least favorite part of the movie. Let's, uh, let's see what we have there. What did you have anything that you want to, uh, to cover there? I- I'm going to be honest with you, Rick. I think this movie is flawless. Yeah. I, I think my, my problem is with the movie is not even with really the movie. And it's something I think we're, we're going to probably talk about at, at, I think at the end of the episode, we, sort of talk more about like our interpretations um, is more like the reaction to it that some people have. They see 
you know, some people see Travis as the hero. Yeah, I've always I've always heard from people that or or I read in places like Travis Bickle is the most famous antihero. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I think people really identify with him in ways that I don't know if there's any way you can. I don't know if there's any changes that you could make to the movie that maintain the integrity of the story they're telling. And also let people know, hey, this guy's not a fucking role model. Well, you, and you know, it, it, uh, he reminds me, it's like the same thing of like having Pennywise the Clown tattooed on your arm. It's like, you know, Pennywise isn't your hero. You just love the, you yeah. love loving the character. Yeah. And I think when people get Travis Bickle tattooed in their arm, I'm wondering like, listen, you are aware that he's not like a person you want to look up to. I, right? <laughs> I think a lot of people are aware of that. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. Uh, it's scary. I think there's, there's, it's very scary. And, you know, there's Travis Bickle today is shooting up a synagogue. He's shooting up a school. These are the these are the people that think yeah. like him. Yeah, you know, there's another Travis Bickle out there right now. Yeah, and in a few weeks or a few months, he's going to shoot up a mall, or he's going to shoot up a, a, a supermarket, or he's going to shoot up a church, or he's going to shoot up a school, and he's going to think in his head he's deluded himself into becoming a hero. And he may have not have seen this movie. Maybe he did. Maybe it resonated with him. Well, let me ask you this. That it wasn't meant to. Let me ask you this. Do you think he would have done the same thing if Iris wasn't even involved? Maybe not specifically, but we've talked about it. He finds something to fixate on. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's my, my big fear is that, like, eventually, even without her presence, I feel like he still is capable of killing three people and just doing it just because, like, yeah. he was upset. You know what I mean? Yep. And it might have been, you know, it just happened to be that this time it was quote-unquote bad guys but maybe it's just three guys who happen to be black next time maybe it's you know maybe it's three transgender people right maybe it's three prostitutes and and i'm glad that scorsese chose to do white on white violence here because we don't need that extra stuff in there to be like well now is travis bickle a racist we didn't need that uh that 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 story we just needed the fact that he is not stable yeah yeah, um, I. Yeah, no, it's it's Travis Bickle is one of the the more enduring characters in the history of film because he's a reflection of society at the time, and he's we're seeing that the funhouse warped mirror version of him every couple days in this country now. Yeah, angry white men. Mm-hmm. And what are they angry about? Society, things that are out of their control. Yep. I mean, that's kind of what I was going to say towards the end of it is like, this is this, this movie, this, this watch through this time was actually very disturbing to me. And when I've seen it before, like I under, I got the themes, I got it, but I think it just like hit me this time because we've seen a whole generation of people like this and this basically presaged what's been happening in real life yeah and And, yeah yeah. and and i would say one thing like i think a big big um cause for everything that happened is definitely due to loneliness and and jealousy as well Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, cause it's like, I think Travis probably could have gone on a little bit longer without doing anything crazy if he wasn't so turned down by Betsy and the fashion that it was. And then jealous of the guy she works with. And then jealous of seeing people on the streets together. He mentions it so often and he's so rejected. And well, the, the thing is it's yeah, rejected, but rejected for good reason. Oh, for sure. But he doesn't understand that. He doesn't, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand how threatening it is. When Betsy tries to get in the cab, when she, he's, she's walking out on him, and he grabs her arm. He grabs her arm, yeah. Like, like, and, and you know, th- there's a, a very, very um, strategic shot by Scorsese where De Niro's on the phone with Betsy, and he's really, well, can I, well, well can I call you again? And uh, well, well, what's the, what's the matter? And and then and a camera shoots from one side all the way to the other side, and the other side is just empty hallway. Yeah, and it's very, it's very, you know, symbolic of like the absolute emptiness he feels. And he thinks that he's, like you said, he thinks he's a hero. Right. And he's just, you know, he literally, literally when they're walking into the theater, she's like, Oh, you're taking me to a dirty movie. I don't want to watch this. And he's like, Oh no, no, this is a good one. Uh, No, no, no. And then afterwards he's like, Oh, I I didn't know you didn't like this. It's like, she just told you she didn't 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like you, again, you can interpret Travis in in many different ways. You know, is that how we feel? Like maybe he's being straight up with her. Like, Oh, right. I, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't know maybe, or maybe this is just him testing her. And that's, and that's, and that is to me, the reason why I love film. Yeah. I love when directors literally are like, well, what do you think? Because I can think about this movie now for the rest of my fucking life and be like every 10 years have a different idea on what this movie is. And that is great filmmaking. Yes. No, there's a reason this is, this is considered an all time classic. And, you know, I oftentimes, you know, you'll, you'll, in, in episodes, I think, you know, in the past, there have been, you know, there's certainly like words in this movie and, 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 you know, stuff in this movie where it's like completely objectionable to, to say, but it makes sense within the context of the movie and it lands because of the story they're telling. Nothing in this movie feels gratuitous. Right. Agreed. Um, but yeah, now let's, uh, I guess, get onto some, some fun stuff here. Let's go to uh, let's go to medals. Who do you have for bronze? Jodie Foster, easily. Yeah, same, easily. Jodie Foster. She's for her age. She just seems like a pro. You know, um, she delivers lines with ease. She's very confident. Um, one thing I did read about is that she had mentioned that they didn't really know how to direct her. They don't. I mean, Martin Scorsese. He doesn't. He didn't know how to how to direct this character. Because how can you understand this character? How can you understand a 12 and a half year old prostitute on the streets as an old Italian guy? <laughs> um, and uh, I think she she found it. She found it. And, and the girl that she was with in the movie, she was a real prostitute that she followed around. And they put her in the movie and she learned from her and things like that. And she's um, she she gives the movie something else that it needs halfway through. You know, you, you're, yeah. you're, you're stuck with this guy. And then you, there are moments in the movie where you're like, you know what? I think Travis is trying to do the right thing and, and he's helping her and it becomes awkward at times. And there's even moments when there's, you know, she's trying to have sex with him in the room and she tries to unbuckle his pants. He, he, he takes a beat. He takes a couple yeah. of beats, looks at her and then what are you doing? But he waits a couple, a couple seconds. And it's a very interesting, the, 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 the dynamic and the chemistry between the two of them. But I think that she's like, I mean, she's 12 and she's a pro. I mean, by the time she yeah. reaches Silence of the Lambs, she's one of the best actresses in the world. Right. Um, but she deserves the bronze. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, everything you said. It's, um, 
it's uh, there's certainly there's like certain child actors that just are good and then they lose it as they get older and Jodie Foster is someone who just didn't yeah she didn't yeah you know she just she was she's just been good forever she's great in in everything Uh, even even bad movies she's very good she she understands Uh, her craft bottom line absolutely and uh I mean this performance there's it's incredibly iconic and you know it's it's tough to be a kid and like you're acting against De Niro in like his absolute prime pretty much and you you're not totally blown off screen by him you know yeah absolutely and and there's you know that I love the scene with her especially she keeps mentioning different astrology signs and she gets Scorpio wrong. She was in the Scorpion. Yeah, you're a Scorpion. It's like, you? oh yeah, like I this can is always a child. Tell. Yeah, this is a exactly. Child, what we're about. Yeah, she puts the sugar on the toast. She's a kid. Yeah, you know, and it's it's crazy. And and working with somebody like Robert De Niro definitely elevated her in yeah. this movie. You know, she needed somebody like him to really guide her. I think. Yeah. So. So who do you have for Silver? Silver goes to Martin Scorsese. Um, and I mean, obviously, we both agree that this is his first masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and I also really love him in this movie as well as that guy yeah. in the back of the cab. Like he is brutal, mm-hmm. you know, with the thing, the way he delivers the lines and he's very talented. Like the way he, you know, do, do you know what, do, do you know what a, a revolver does to, to, to a girl's, to a girl's pussy? Yeah. You, know what it, you know what it does? You, you, know what it, you, know, you don't have to answer. You, you don't have to answer. You don't even answer. The way he does that. He just makes it in like he's. It's very creepy he's, he's and like, scary. Over. He's like, don't, don't put something down. Don't, don't put it down. Did I tell you to put it down? Don't yeah, it down. yeah. I don't, love just, that. Okay, just, yeah, yeah. like, it's just in <laughs> Travis like, uh. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's when, he, when he drops the N-word and stuff and he, he, goes, he goes about all of that, he becomes a very frightening person. You're, you realize this movie is just full of frightening people. Yeah. Um, and you wonder, I wonder what happened to that. Did he end up killing his wife? Did he kill right. her lover? Like he, Scorsese hits on both ends here. He directs this movie fantastically. And again, I, I wish I had put in um, Paul, Paul Schrader in my top three because he did write the screenplay and he did basically write this about himself and his own experiences. Right. Um, but Martin knocks out of the park with that guy's vision. Yeah. Um, my silver and gold were so tough. It's like a razor thin margin here. Um, I went with De Niro for my silver. Uh, it, he like is incredible. We talked about it. He's so incredible in this, the performance. It's, it's an absolute all timer. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, as, as, as much as Marlon Brando would, would disagree, he's like one of the great actors of all time. Uh, <laughs> not a stupid son of a bitch who stole the Oscar for his role. I'm not going to lie to you, Rick. I'm a little surprised. And the reason why I'm surprised that he didn't get your gold is because, I don't think there's a lot of actors who could really pull mm-hmm. this off the way he does. Sure. And I think that other, dire- other directors I feel like could, could maybe scratch the surface of what Marty's trying to do. So, but- so here's, here's what I'll say. And I'll, I'll do my gold now. And then I'm assuming De Niro's your gold. Yep. My gold is Scorsese and Paul Schrader together. Okay. And the reason I give them the gold is because the world that Travis is moving around is so well realized. Yeah. Yeah. That's true that between the writing and the direction you buy that this performance can live there. You know, you have so many like characters. There's a lot of characters movie that pop, you know, we haven't talked about uh, wizard wizard. Yeah. Uh, You know, we haven't talked about him at all. We haven't really talked about Albert Brooks at all. Um, You know, we, we haven't talked 
you know, we haven't talked about Harvey Keitel at all. Right. Um, there's so many, the world is so well built and it's just like the worst part of what you think New York is. Yeah. And, you know, as brilliant as De Niro is, I think the writing of the direction is equally as brilliant. Yep. So if you, you want know. to give it a three-way tie for silver and gold, okay. Because that's really what it is. <laughs> right, right. No, I get it, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, do you, is, do you have anything else you want to say about Nero or, or Scorsese uh, or Schrader? Or... Well, you know, obviously my gold is Robert De Niro. Um, yeah. Like I said before, just recasting this alone, you need to find an actor nowadays who has the sensibility, the craft, the way he just shifts his eyes, the way he just pr- presents himself on screen. You need a master uh, to really understand this character. And you could have thrown Dustin Hoffman in this role. You could have thrown maybe even an early Al Pacino in this role. I don't think that it would have been as developed as Robert De Niro's performance. You know, he, he just, he takes it to another level. He really does. He's a very, it's a very scary performance. And this is a guy who was a relatively unknown, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, and he's, he's only an unknown up to 1974, he makes The Godfather Part Two. He wins an award. He's filming Taxi Driver in 75, the summer of 75, which means he wasn't yet a star until the, the latter end of, 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 of them rapping. And at that point, he was only making $35,000 for the role. He becomes a star about halfway or, or, or towards the end of his, his, his filming this movie. The, the producers get nervous and they say, Bobby, do you want more money? Because you just won an Academy Award. You now have the stardom. And Robert De Niro was like, no, no, no. We already agreed in $35,000. So that's what I'm going to get. Very, very humble. You know, and, 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 you know, I think that also goes a long way. Is like, listen, I just care about the performance. And that's something that's missing, I think, in, in so much acting nowadays. You know, a lot of actors phone it in. A lot of actors don't do what they should be doing. But there's not a lot of Robert De Niro's out there. There's actually none. <laughs> so um that's why it's hard for me to not give him gold so yeah sure um so let's go to uh let's go to recasting uh i have travis i have betsy and i've got sport who is um who is harry Cattell's character all right i have quite a few i have okay. travis bickle i have betsy i have the gun salesman okay. i have wizard i have sport and i have iris yeah, I wasn't going to touch Iris. I, I actually, well, well I, I aged, I aged her up a little bit. Okay. So she's she's probably about twenty in my movie, honestly. That Which, almost that almost makes it like more shades of gray. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And again, like I, I googled young, I, I googled actresses in their teenage years, and I felt very strange doing that. Yep, and you're like about um, twenty. Uh, yeah. So well, well, when I was looking at them, I was like, you know what? I don't even know a lot of these actresses and I haven't seen a lot of their performances anyway. So yeah. I don't want to just pick a face because that's kind of like not what we do. Sure. Um, but I, I aged it up a little bit. So okay. let's uh, let's go through the ones that uh, that 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 just you have with uh, run through. Yeah, I went. So my Iris, I went with um, an actress who we talked about before, who I think is going to do great things. I'm excited to see her in more things. And that is Sophia Lillis. Yep. We've seen in It Chapter 1 and 2. Um, did not like the movies too much, but I really loved her performance. Um, but I think she would knock this out of the park, and she kind of has that like slick way about her that kind of reminds me of a Jodie Foster, where you just kind of see that she understands what she's doing. So I really like her. Um, then I went with Wizard. I went with uh, Joe Pantaleano. Uh, Joey Pants. Joey Pants. 
Yep. And uh, of course, my favorite role of his is Ralph Cifaretto in The Sopranos, which I, I hope someday we can talk about. Um, and uh, I just thought it'd be, I, I like his voice and it kind of reminds me of a Peter Boyle, what's kind of a little bit higher. He's trying to give advice to somebody and his voice is up here. Yeah. And Joe Pantoliano has that kind of thing where he kind of, and I could picture him as a wizard being like, listen, man, you got, you got to do this. You got to do that. So I, I like that. Gun Salesman. I went with the Gun Salesman because I loved that guy's performance. He's a very fast talking New York guy selling yeah. guns and drugs and vehicles. <laughs> um, and I went with somebody who actually was my runner up for Travis Bickle. I went with uh, Mike Faced. Mike Faced from, uh, from, from um, West Side Story. Yeah, the, yeah. Actually yeah. plays Rick. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. He's great in that movie. Yeah. I think that he would uh, knock this out of the park easily. And I, I actually considered him as my Travis Bickle as well. Yeah. I could I um, absolutely see that. Yep. So I think the other three that you have, uh, Travis. Oh, no. Did you have a Betsy? Yeah. Travis, yep. Betsy, and Sport, and sport. right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Who do you have for Sport? My Sport. Okay. I went with an actor who I've chosen a lot uh, recently. I mm-hmm. think he's just a very, very cool actor. He's not as famous as his older, bro- older brother, but I think he's actually a better actor than his older brother, and that is Kieran Culkin. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Keitel fucking kills this role. I love the way he delivers his lines, and you need somebody snarky like that. Um, and Kieran Culkin is certainly a snarky. He can play a very snarky character. Um, and I thought just picturing him with the hat on and all the stuff and just being like this younger, younger guy who's a pimp. Yeah, like trying to make his way in the pimp business, and he's kind of like an asshole who, like, you could tell like a guy like him is going to die any day now because he just says the wrong shit to the wrong people, and that's the kind of the, the kind of the, why Kieran Culkin took the role for me because I feel like he could, you know, potentially make me believe that like any day this guy's going to get shot because he's an idiot. <laughs> right. So, so my uh, my sport has a uh, real scumbag energy. Uh, and he's he's a great actor. He's been in he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, the actor's name is Caleb Landry Jones. You probably he's probably best known for he's in Get Out as the brother. Where oh, he, wait a minute! Isn't he in? He's in uh, uh, X Men First Class. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, he's, he's, ba- he's Banshee. Banshee. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. kind of younger in that. He's like a baby face in that a little bit, but like he grows a mustache and he's just like pure skin. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of him right now. And as soon as you said, just let him grow a mustache. I was like, oh, what scum. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Give that kid look- a mustache. He will win Oscars. Yeah. He'll- <laughs> yeah. He just looks like a fucking asshole. Scumbag. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but that mustache is just yeah. like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, that, if that guy wants, if he wants to make some serious money, give him a mustache. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Who do you have for, uh, who do you have for Betsy? So this was kind of tough. I, I, yeah. I, I struggled with Betsy. Um, I ended up going with Dakota Johnson. I actually considered her. For Did that. you? Yeah. Okay. I, I just thought that like she would bring that sort of like naive sort of girl and stuff. And you got to mm-hmm. remember like Betsy says yes to Travis. Yeah. Like she actually she goes out with him. Side. Yeah, she does. And it's very uneasy. And so I feel like I want her, I, I could picture Dakota Johnson being very uncomfortable at times. Yeah. And uh, granted that she's, you know, 50 shades of gray she's kind of goes the opposite direction there but sure. um just you know she's the one i chose she might be the one that i have to look back later and say maybe i could have found somebody else but yeah um i went with sort of a different type so um i went with an actress who i think is 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 a, a great actress but definitely has the like angelic look where somebody like travis who is not really socially aware will look at her and go that is an angel among us yep and there's like they can't touch her so i went with uh, lupita nyong'o okay uh i don't recall so she's um she's in probably 
best known for 12 years a slave. She's in us. She's the main, she's the main character in us. She's in black Panther. She's love interest. Who is she? And wait a minute. She's in 12 years a slave. Yeah. And what else? Us. She's in us. Yeah. She's the, she's the main character in us. Oh, okay. I mean, she's definitely an interesting choice, but I'm, I, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that, you know, if she takes the role into being very wholesome, I think it works. Yes. You know, because that's, that's what Betsy is. I think is. that's kind of, I think she, like, she looks wholesome from a distance, but it's like, no, she's like a real person with real wants and needs. And, right. you know, Travis doesn't get that. Right. Uh, so speaking of Travis. Oh, boy. You and I are about to tackle a fucking giant. Yeah. Um, we're replacing Robert De Niro with Travis Bickle. Not yep. an easy thing to do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if we're on the same page here. Um, there's not a lot of actors I feel like who could pull this off. Yeah. And I still don't know if the actor I chose can pull it off, but I think he could. Yeah. And I went with Robert Pattinson. He was one of my two runners up. See, like I knew said, we're, we're always in the same like, sort yeah, of thing. Like we said in the in the in the previous episode we recorded, like I, I consider Paul Dano as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I went with Man, Paul, Paul Dano would be fucking fantastic. He, he would be. But the thing that kind of stuck in my head, uh, this rewatch is ex-military. Okay. And we know there's a, a great actor of this same caliber that is ex-military. And that is Adam Driver. Okay. Yeah. And I could uh, see, you know, big guy. I could see the appeal of him. I could see why Betsy would be interested in him and obviously does the intense thing very well. Yeah. And and I think what's funny about Adam driver, what he has really going for him that a lot of other actors don't have is the sort of awkward lankiness of him. Yes. Um, He comes off as somebody who could, because he's got a handsome face too. He's a very interesting face. He comes off as somebody who could play a lead, who's a good guy and can very easily play creep so easily too. Yes. Um, So he has, I mean, that's probably why they cast him as as Kylo Ren to begin with. Um, But yeah, he just has that. And I think that we're going to use him. And a lot of other things too in the future. He's just going to keep coming up because he's just, he's special is what he is. Absolutely. So I've, I've won for miscellaneous. Okay. And I'm going to ask you a question, Derek, and I just want you to answer this question as you would answer it. If I was legitimately asking. Okay. Hey, Derek, do you want to go to the movies? Sure. And then you would say, what do you, what are we seeing? Yes. You know, I, I was wondering that. Do you think back then, though, like, because I, I know there were like less things available to see. I'm wondering if she's just like, that's how it was back then. Like, oh, we're going to go. Because I know my mom, she used to, she always says this. She goes, oh, you guys are going to the show. I'm like, yeah. it's the movies. It's the movies. But I'm wondering if that's how people utilize that word back then. Oh, we're going to go to the show and whatever we see, we're going to go see. We're going to see what's at the box office. Yeah, so, I, I wonder if it wasn't available to them to go see what's at the box office, like in the paper at that point. Maybe. But even so, like, I'm going to take you to the movies. Yeah, what's playing right now? You know, it's, it's right, right. It seems weird that that conversation wouldn't have happened. Right. I, like I said, unless that was the way it was, where it's like they didn't even have access to see, you know, what was there. Because um, I, I always envisioned you'd walk by the movies and be like, oh, that's playing this week. Oh, all right. Um, you know, obviously they, they can't go on IMDb and check it out, but uh, yeah, it is definitely interesting. And like, like we said before, like Travis, like she clearly says, I don't want to watch a dirty movie. And Travis like, no, 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 no. It's, 
it's, it's you funny. know what, the it's movie funny. the movie's yeah. really fucked up too the, from the little that we see of it they keep yeah. showing like they keep showing like inside a body right and i'm like i don't want to see that even if i was into that kind of it's movie a, yeah it's a deeply fucking disturbing but he, you know he's not entirely wrong there is a couple that's sitting in front of them yeah that's watching it i don't know yeah some couples like this yeah i guess so i have um i have one thing for miscellaneous okay apparently the actress that they really wanted for betsy uh because sybil shepherd couldn't remember her lines and martin scorsese was totally fucking done with her and so was de niro de niro was like i can't do this (laughs) um they used to they were feeding her lines but i guess uh mary steenburgen was the one that they wanted Mm. and martin scorsese was like very thumbs up and they ended up going with sybil shepherd and i would have thought that like I think Mary Steenburgen's career may have gone a little bit different direction. I mean, she, I I think she's great, and I, I think a lot of people know who she is. But like, oh, I, oh, I know her face. They don't yeah. know her name necessarily. I think maybe this would have changed a little bit that's if she she that's really a, got a big a role unique, in the '70s. That's a unique face. Yeah, that's she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very interesting. Um, so what are you eating with this movie? Um, I'm gonna pass on eating with this movie to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> um. Well, let's see. Let's New York let's... pizza. Yeah, it's in New York. Grab, grab a slice. Uh, yeah. oh, maybe some jujus because that's what Robert yeah. De-, 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 De Niro says. You got jujus? I really, I really want some jujus. So whatever, you, whatever you see is what we got. Yeah. And uh, I also like the fact that uh, when she hands him the, the drink, there's no cap on it. It's just like a cup of, of liquid. Yeah. It's just very different from the way we do things nowadays in the movies. It's just like. Here's a cup of something. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have a Pepsi? We don't have that here. It's just just generic pop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like RC Cola machine. Yeah, right? RC Cola. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, the Oscars this year. We just talked about this with Rocky this year. Yep. Um, one of the stronger Oscar years ever. For sure. But right in the prime of New Hollywood. Rocky wins Best Picture. Other nominees are All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, and Taxi Driver. <sighs> It's a t- it is a, this is a very like 1994 situation where it's like it could be any of these. Yep. Um, Rocky all time classic, Network all time classic, Taxi Driver obviously all time classic as well. I'm 100 percent okay with any of those winning. I'd be even okay if all with all the presidents men wins. Well, based on what I know and what I've seen, I'm obviously going to go with Taxi Driver. Sure. Over Rocky. Over Rocky, yeah. Okay. And right. it's tough because I love the first Rocky movie. Like yeah. it's a great fucking movie, but. It, 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 that that's that that movie is like it, it's a feel-good movie yeah this movie is like i'm going to be thinking about this until i die yeah you know but that's the difference <laughs> director uh john avelson wins for rocky other nominees are alan pakula or pakula pakula for all the president's men ingmar bergman for face to face Sidney lumet for network and lena vertmuller for seven beauties so no nomination for Scorsese. I don't even. I, yeah. I don't even want to talk about how angry this makes me. Yeah, like clearly this was beyond people's heads. If he, he didn't get nominated for for best director, Vertmuller, Vertmuller, you're out. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Seven Beauties, zero nominations. Yep. Best actor is won by Peter Finch for Network, which is a fucking masterclass of a of a of a, of a role. It's, uh, it's, it's, I, you really need to see network. Uh, De Niro is obviously nominated for taxi driver. Uh, Giancarlo Giannini for seven beauties. William Holden also for network and Stallone for Rocky is nominated as well. Uh, now, based on what you've seen, do you think that that guy deserves it over Robert De Niro this year? I think it's neck and neck. 
Um, this was a posthumous win for uh, for Peter Finch. Uh, he, up until Heath Ledger, he was the only one to win an Oscar posthumously. Mm-hmm. So that may have given him an edge in the voting, but it is a classic, iconic role that is on par with Travis Bickle. All right. Yeah. Um, you you should really check it out. Talk about, you know, we talk about this movie. We talk about Travis Bickle being a forebear, um, you know, a preview of like angry white men who shoot places up. The network, Peter Finch, that role is entirely what media will have will become over the next 40 years from that movie. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should throw that one on the spreadsheet. Maybe you and I should do it down the line. I would be 100% for that. Cool. Um, but I, w- I would even just watch it first and digest it and then go back to it later as an, as an episode. All right. So best supporting actor. Is there anybody we want to. I mean, I, I, I could see Jodie Foster. Well, that should be actress, but anyone an actor. Oh, actor, a uh, best supporting actor. Uh... I don't think I mean yeah. Harvey Keitel is in three scenes really. Yeah. Um, I don't know if if he's in it enough there's, for yeah, if, if his character is as, as developed as it needs to I be. Would, I would agree. I would agree. So Jodie Foster is nominated for best supporting actress. She does not win. Uh, Beatrice Starlight wins for network, and she's good in it, but she's only in one scene. Oh, you mentioned is, that, yeah. Yeah, which is which is bizarre. Uh, Jane Alexander and All the President's Men, Lee Grant and Voyage of the Damned, and Piper Laurie and Carrie. Which is, which is an interesting nomination as well, which I really enjoy. Yeah, um, it's you know it's interesting that best yeah so best supporting actress Beatrice Strait. Did I call her fucking Beatrice Starlight? Yeah, Beatrice Strait is in one scene, and she wins best supporting actress. Ned Beatty is nominated for network for best supporting actor, and he's also only in one scene. Wow, and That's I nice. can. I can say like Ned Beatty is maybe like the best one scene performance I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, in that movie, like he just fucking blows everyone off the fucking screen. It's, it's unbelievable. But yeah, I think I think I'd I'd, I'd probably put Jodie Foster of of what I've seen. I really like Piper Laurie and Carrie, but I think I think I'd, I'd, I might put Jodie Foster. Here's the winner. All right. Uh. So yeah, that's the Oscars. Now we come. To the most important part of the show. Derek, that's when we put 30 seconds on the clock. Can you tell us why Taxi Driver is the greatest movie of all time? Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese, 1976. The reason why this is the greatest movie of all time is because it stays with you after you've seen it. A couple of times, maybe you need to see it three or four times. It stays with you and it, it festers and you wonder. And I think, I think, I think Ebert's correct in what he said for the first time ever. Um, the acting's phenomenal. The script's phenomenal. This is one of the greatest movies of all time. All right. 20, uh, 26 seconds. You did it there. Great job. Uh, I can't believe the Ebert slander. This is bullshit. You guys agree more than you disagree. I will say this about Ebert. I think he's a fucking piece of human garbage. And that's it. Let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> he did nothing to you. He's, you know what? I'm going to find his grave and I am going to, to defecate on it. Fair enough. You do you. Okay. Uh, so that's been our episode of Taxi Driver. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next time we're coming back with something. 
We don't know what. The next few weeks, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be doing Alien. We're going to do, be doing Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We're going to do The Princess Bride, and we're going to be doing Citizen Kane and, and School of Rock. And School of Rock, yes. So, in some order, we'll be releasing those. So keep an eye out. Yes. Uh, I, uh, as always, have been your brilliant but humble co-host, Rick Rosso. And I have been your forever snarky, least favorite co-host, Ebert thumping bastard, the big Taxbosky. Keep watching, everyone.